step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Well, this could be a little bit uncomfortable today, folks, because of the comments that I am inclined to make here about people I normally leave alone. What I saw last night, watching a Democrat convention, oh my goodness, it was pathetic. It was, it, it, it was pathetic. And then to watch everybody talk about how wonderful it was and how great it was. And, oh, my goodness, how we, oh, I hope we never, ever go back to conventions in a big hall and a big floor and all the, my friends, I'm, I'm, I, the, the, the lengths to which people are going to cover up for the absolute pathetic nature of this convention is just amazing. It's breathtaking to behold. Anyhow, it's great to be here. Great to have you with us as always. The telephone number, if you want to be on the program, is 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbow at eibnet.us. The ratings continue to be also pathetic for the Democrat National Convention. And they're just, they're just, they can't figure out why. They're trying hard. They're assembling all the experts they're talking to all the professionals. They've got the creme de la creme of big tech. They've got the creme de la creme of broadcast network uh, talent. They have the creme de la creme of the political world on the Democrat side. And they can't figure it out. They do not know why the ratings, and they're not good, folks. It's not, it's not that they're down a few percent here, a few percent there. It is record low. No matter where you go. And even, you know, they originally were holding out hope that the streaming numbers, which are harder to actually ascertain, that the streaming numbers would make up for the the uh, the loss or the, the, the down numbers uh, on conventional over-the-air broadcast television and cable. But it hasn't happened. So there's all kinds of excuses that are being offered. Well, it's a pandemic. And um, people, um, I actually heard 
This is the number one excuse. You know, people are having to Zoom all day. They're having to go to work on Zoom. They're having to communicate, do their jobs on Zoom. The last thing they want to do at night is go home and watch something else on Zoom, which is how the Democrat convention is happening. I said, man, that is scraping the bottom of the barrel. Because you see, I, ladies and gentlemen, as a powerful, influential member of the media, can tell them exactly why their ratings are down. It's not hard at all. They themselves ought to be able to figure this out. Maybe they have and just don't want to admit it uh, to themselves. And I'll be happy to tell them because they're not going to believe me. And even if they do believe me, they're not going to acknowledge that, that, uh, that I may have a point. But it is real simple. We talked about it yesterday. We talked about it the day before. It all boils down to one thing. There isn't any enthusiasm in the Democrat Party for Joe Biden. They will tell you. They will tell you their own polls show that a majority of people who say they're going to vote in November hate Trump. They're voting against Trump. They are not voting for Biden. Well, folks, that's all you need to know. If the Democrats admit that their own nominee isn't engendering or generating any excitement, then why would you expect massive tune-in to your convention featuring the guy? It, it just it, it, the two go hand in hand. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect this. And then the VP Kamala Harris. Yes, she's historic. No, she's not. These people lie to themselves. Yes, she is. She's the first woman of color to be picked as vice president. We've been there, done that. We've had the first person of color be president. Anything else is a step down. And you people keep trying to make, you Democrats, you keep trying to create excitement out of identity-related things. It's not how most people look at other people. But it is on the Democrat side. The Democrat Party, if you're an average leftist or liberal walking down the street, the first thing you notice about somebody is their skin color. Then you try to determine what their sexual orientation is. The next thing you try to determine, are they tranny? The next thing you try to figure out is something else related to their identity. The last thing that you're interested in is who they are. Because who they are is irrelevant to you. What they are is what matters. So in in the vast swath of the American population, don't doubt me on this, the fact that Kamala Harris is a woman of color, Jamaican person of color, uh, Indian nation of India person of color, uh, nice and all that, but it's not historic. It certainly isn't enough to get people to tune in and watch the convention. Besides, Kamala Harris, as we also discussed, was the first Democrat to get out of the primaries. There were 23 or 24 of them in there. She got out before the first votes were even cast. She got out... She was the first out, and now she is in place to become president. Tell me how that works. 
in terms of creating excitement. The first person out of the race because she had no hope, because she had no prayer. She had thrown everything she had going after Biden, who was the front runner. He's a racist. He's a pig. I believe all of the women. I think the guy is a reprobate. All that stuff. It didn't work. Could have told them it wasn't going to work, but it didn't work. So she gets out, and now they're sitting there expecting that this convention is going to be, I mean, uncontrollably exciting. When they admit there is no excitement for their candidate, and they're having to manufacture this 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 so-called historical choice of Kamala Harris... Meanwhile, their cities are burning, and they don't even talk about it. They don't even mention it. I mean, the Democrat Party, the one thing that they are really illustrating they have a talent for is to be absent reality. So it's it's no mystery to me. Now, there's also there's some stuff to learn here as a result. Have you guys across the glass, have you been watching this? All right. Well, Mr. Snurdley has a, you, 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 Dawn hasn't, I'm sure, Brian, you've been, you've been trying to find Tampa Bay practice tape. Uh, the Republicans had better be learning from this. And I think they have, because I keep, you know, when, when Trump does his, you know what he said, I found this fascinating yesterday. Trump really was, who, who was he going after? It was, um... I forget. Oh, come on. Mind work for me. My memory usually just jumps just like that. He was ripping somebody for not going live. Oh, it was Michelle Mybell Obama, just like I did. You know, I I really believe in things like this. You go live. If you want to gender excitement, if you want to create now you can't tell people that we're going to have every speaker on tape and the tape was made a week ago. And then she didn't even mention Kamala Harris. Great historical pick, eh? And the the, the first African-American first lady, that's historic, doesn't even mention her? Well, Rush, she couldn't mention her. She didn't know she was... Come on, what does that mean? It means they didn't even tell the Obamas? They didn't even give the Obamas a heads up on who the pick was going to be? And then after that, you're telling me that Michelle Mybell Obama can't go in and do a one-minute insert? Guess not. Got the social swing going up there at the $12 million house at uh, Martha's Vineyard. She gave them the, uh, the speech that they wanted, and that was it. If you want more, go talk to Netflix and tell them I want another special for another $50 million. Other than that, you got to live with what I gave you. Couldn't even... recut or do an insert to put the historic vice presidential pick in her keynote address. The point is, Trump is ladling in how she didn't go live. And I believe live, folks, because that's how I work. It's just, you know, I'm a little selfish. And I'm a little, uh, well, selfish may not be the word for it, but uh, I'm I'm oriented that way because it's how I've always done Remember when I've told you that when I was doing the Rush to Excellence tour, which were the forerunners of Trump rallies when this show was new and I was trying to cement this program as something that was going to last, just not a flash in the pan. 
whenever we get a new affiliate, I would make a point to go into that market and do a personal appearance, which usually was an hour to an hour and a half of a presentation, ad lib, stand up. I had a little outline on some cards I had in front of me put on the podium, but nothing was scripted. And uh, the uh, did this to cement the relationship with the radio station that had made the decision to carry the program. So for the first two years, uh, 48 weekends a year, this is what I did. And I loved it. It, it, was a, it was a blast. And depending on the place, we'd have crowds of 5,000, 15,000. We priced it such that charities benefited. You know, I, I got my expenses paid and that was it. Uh, but I, I remember telling people, these things were, you look, you're having so much fun. I I am, but let me tell you how pressure-packed they are. Pressure-packed. Yes, they are. Why? Well, because what if my brain's not working that night? See, that's the pressure when you go live. If your brain isn't working, you can sit up there, stand up there, and you can literally die. You can, you can, you can, you can squander the opportunity. So the, the, the pressure all day, sit there and fret, what if, I, what if my brain's not firing? When you ad-lib everything, it is indeed massive pressure. If everything's on a teleprompter and it's already written and you know what it is, there's no reason to even get excited about it. There's no reason to even get hepped up about it because all you've got to do is read what's there. The challenge then becomes to read what's there and try to make it look like you're not reading anything. And that's the way whenever I do a speech, you know, I don't I, I've, I've cut back on the numbers of speeches that I do. And one of the reasons is that the day of the speech, I literally could drive myself nuts um, worrying about, is my brain going to be working tonight? Is it going to be functioning? And that's what live does. Uh, Trump knows it. Now, he mixes teleprompter with, uh, with ad lib, which is its own unique talent, by the way. And the teleprompter operator has to know. You know, when he goes off prompter, they got to know when he's going to get back on it and then be able to follow but that pressure is what brings out the best. It's what it, it, it for anybody who is able to do it. And they've scripted everything and they've put everything on a prompter and everybody is essentially just reading what they're saying, including the the people going around the country during the roll call last night. So what I think the Republicans have got to do is make sure that some of it is live. And Make sure that there is a live audience of some kind to react to what is happening. The Democrats have not done that, and it has been obvious that it's missing something. It's missing various elements of excitement. It's, it's missing elements of drama. If you're told that every speaker has recorded what they're going to say a week ago or five days ago, then how much drama is there really going to be? If they're recording it and writing it, they're playing it safe for the, for the most part. So there, there's a lot here for the Republicans to learn about how to do – because they've got to go virtual too. they got to – just like the Democrats are because you can't – they can't go back to North Carolina, open the venue, and start cramming people in there because of COVID. 
But there are ways to do this that will include drama and excitement, unpredictability, and a live audience of some kind reacting. Trump feeds off a live audience. So whatever Trump's involvement is, you know that there's going to be some audience element somewhere. And I think they probably are watching what's uh, what's going on here and and figuring out they're seeing the mistakes that are that are being made. I have more on this program unfolds. The, the 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 main thing to realize the reason the ratings are down Biden isn't exciting. Nobody cares to tune in. You know what? Most people on the Democrat side because of the media don't know the extent of Vice President Biden's mental drop-off. They just don't know it. So they don't even have the element of, gee, is he gonna is he gonna is he gonna is he gonna not know where he is tonight? Some people would watch just to see if that happened. And it did. It happened a couple times last night. We have it on tape, we've got it on video. We're gonna show you the ditto camp. Uh he didn't know where he was. And I tell you, whoever did you James, did you see when he actually accepted the nomination? He was he was in a video, a VHS or a videotape library in a basement of a school, and they hands said streamers, like five or six streamers come out of the ceiling, which is like a ten foot ceiling and two or three balloons. Well, it looks small. It looked, you could count the number of streamers, and Biden looked like he thought they were snakes. They were coming out of the roof to attack him. He's looking up, whoa, whoa, what was this? God love you. Oh, my God. And then Jill, he, he went out after Jill Biden. His, uh, his wife finished her speech. And basically said, why am I here? You'll hear it. We have all this coming up. By the way, some fabulous economic news. Oops, I saw the clock. I got to go to a break. Hang on. Okay, here's the the great economic news. Actually, two stories. The first one, Target. Target has been a target, have they not? Target has been a target of the American left. Target is a big box store that the left has gone after. They've looted them. They've blown them up out there. They've broken in. They've robbed them, done all that. Look at Target has just announced the strongest quarterly sales growth ever. Their profits are up 80%. This The Democrats cannot take credit for this because this to them is not good news. This is not supposed to be happening. The Democrats have Minnesota shut down. That's where the Target Center is. The Democrats have Portland, Oregon shut down. They've got Seattle shut down. They've got Chicago shut down. They've got these cities dominated by mobs and mob rule. We're in a pandemic. We got people out of work. We got people who don't have any money. How in the heck did this happen? Strongest quarterly sales growth ever. Profits up 80%. Who is the one person talking about making this happen? Donald Trump. 
He's the one person, even though his great economy was snapped right out from underneath him, with the demanded shutdown of two months of our economy because of the COVID-19 virus. Trump has kept talking about the V-shaped recovery. He's kept promising it. He's kept reminding everybody it's what he's focused on. The Democrats have not. The Democrats have mocked this kind of recovery, saying it's not realistic. And then Apple has just become the first company with a market cap of $2 trillion, and it happens in the midst of this pandemic. Whoa, hang on. This is, uh, I think, fascinating. Target, strongest quarterly sales growth ever. Profits up 80%. Now, the naysayers are going to say, well, Rush, they had nowhere to go but up. I mean, come on. They're coming out of a pandemic. Everything's as low as it can be. This is the point. You people want to throw cold water on this stuff. The fact is, it happened. The fact is that their sales growth is the most rapid ever. That means people are out there engaging in commerce, which is what our economy is. You can call it trickle-down, whatever you want. Profits... Profits, the name of the game, means they're not giving stuff away. It means that they're still selling enough items at profit points to in to, to earn a profit. Um, you can you can you can try to diminish this all you want, but you can't. Now, Apple computer. The, the first indication this is going to happen. Apple, uh, their fiscal year is uh, one one quarter off from the calendar year, so their Q one in business starts in the fourth quarter on the calendar. So the Christmas quarter is their is their uh, fiscal year first quarter. They reported the June quarter, they had a record amount of revenue and a record profit with their stores closed. All these Apple stores around the Well, in China they were open... Uh, but most of them in Europe, in the United States, most of the Apple stores are closed. No matter. They've got the online store. Their sales growth has been such, and everybody knows that new phones are coming. New phones are coming sometime September, October. They may be delayed a little this year. So arguably, a lot of people would just wait for the new phones. Not need a new phone. Go get one now. And they haven't started... I mean, it's across the board. They have not started lowering prices. Some of the cell providers do. But they're selling iPhones out the wazoo. The Mac sales are through during a pandemic when it's the last thing it ought to be happening. It's a testament to many things, the quality of the of the products and the uh, the things that people can do with their with their devices. But uh, and and to their marketing and so forth. But just to me. It's, it's two examples of an economic recovery that's entirely possible, that one guy has been talking about it, one guy has been urging it on, one guy has been veritably promising that it's going to happen. An entire political party has been mocking him and making fun of him for it and claiming that he only had a great economy because he inherited 
the massive growth from Barack Obama. What an absolute crock that is, which we've been through countless times. You know, it's interesting. The Democrats never said that Obama had a great economy until Trump became president. All during Obama's term, they never talked about the great economy because that's not how they viewed it. They really were trying to get everybody ready for an an economy that was in decline. They were trying to get everybody ready for an economy that was slowing down. They wanted people to believe that our past was largely illegitimate, including our economic success. We weren't to feel good about it. We were not to feel enthused about it because it was unjust and immoral why this country was built on the backs of slaves. We can't sit here and feel happy. And who knows? All of the economic success we're having is built on the backs of somebody like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez last night actually accused America of colonialism. We have never engaged in colonialism. Hell, we were a colony, a series of them at one time. They have done everything they can to destroy the image of American greatness and exceptionalism by claiming that our economic strength was built on the backs of others or that we had stolen natural resources from other countries, any, any, anything they could come up with that would serve their agenda that there's no reason to feel like America is anything special Anything great? Look at Madeleine Albright, former Secretary of State. Clinton teaches at Georgetown, and she says there's nothing special about the American founding. This happens to be a coincidence of dates and a bunch of people showing up here at the same time. There's nothing special about it. That's what she teaches. So they they do not. They don't even provide much lip service to a strong economy because they really don't believe it. To them. A strong economy is a threat, folks. To them, the Democrats, the American left, a strong economy is an obstacle to them. They want the government to always be seen as the source of happiness, decency, goodness, whatever it is. They want you thinking that you have what you have or you use the opportunities you have because government made it possible. The fact that the economy is roaring means that people are doing well financially. That's not, it doesn't fit with what the Democrat Party agenda is. So this news is not going to make them happy. And they have a tough time even faking it. They, and they have to fake. They're, gonna, they're, they're talking about. When the economy roars back, they're going to have to act like they're happy about it. But you can see when they talk about it, their heart's not in it. Uh, by the way, PMSNBC has this guy on there named Chris Hayes. The first time I saw this guy, I said, did he just walk in off the street and sit down? Or did somebody actually hire this guy? And I said, if somebody actually hired this guy, Why? I mean, metrosexual and pajama boy don't even get close. Well, anyway, this guy was on PMS NBC and he was characterizing the average Trump voter. 
Remember Peter Struck, Stroke, Smirk? Peter Struck, Stroke, Smirk said that you could smell the Trump support at a Southern Virginia Walmart. He actually tweeted that to his paramour, Lisa Page. Don't worry, babe. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Trump's not going to win. Yeah, I was in a Walmart the other day in Virginia. You could, you could smell the Trump support with his tweet. So Chris Hayes, he's an Ivy Leaguer, and you wouldn't doubt that if you see him. He described the Trump political base as white men without a four-year degree who have just enough extra money to buy a boat. This was in a Twitter exchange with a reporter from the Washington Post, David Weigel, three days ago on August 16th. Late on Sunday evening, Weigel, who earned a journalism degree from Northwestern University in Chicago, tweeted, quote, I keep trying to make this point, but I I don't want to be patronizing. The Florida guy with a high school degree and a pile of disposable income really is a perfect Trump supporter. So here's Hillary Clinton with her deplorables. Struck, stroke, smirk with the fact you can smell the Trump support in a Walmart in southern Virginia. Showing their true colors, the the need to mock and make fun of you Trump supporters. The Florida man with a high school degree, pile of disposable income, perfect Trump supporter. And that's when Hayes came back and said, yeah. And this by guy, he went to Hunter College High School. He earned a philosophy degree from Brown University. He said, white men without a four-year degree, disposable income enough to buy a boat, are genuinely the Trump base. They haven't the slightest idea who the Trump base is. Just wanted to share this with you, but they don't. They haven't taken the time to learn who the Trump base is, why the Trump base is there. And all of this is designed to get you need to be feeling really good about things here, folks. Like I told a couple of callers yesterday. You've got a Democrat National Convention that is a sorry joke. You've got a Democrat National Convention with no audience. They can't figure out why. And it's very simple why. There's no enthusiasm for their nominee. And the American people do not see some sort of historical moment that they're part of in the choice of Kamala Harris. As the vice presidential, because most people are not into identity politics like the Democrats are. On the other hand, here comes the economy roaring back, elements of it, evidence of it. Trump's the one guy that's been promising it. He's been assuring everybody. He's been telling everybody he knows how to do it. Voila. We're starting to get uh, the signs that it's happening. And, 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 And the Democrats continue to preside over absolute misery in the cities and states that they run. They don't seem at all interested in stopping that. They don't seem at all interested in cleaning up the mess being made in their cities. At the same time, they're talking about defunding the police. I'm just trying to assure you, you are not watching, whether you're watching the convention, whether you're watching the nightly news, whether you're watching cable news, the broadcast news, Reading the New York Times, you're not watching a winning movement. You're watching a movement that thinks it's winning. But I don't even think that. I think they know they're not. I think they're in deep doo-doo and know it. And are trying to hide that. Let's see. More than 200 
have been charged with federal crimes and 1,000 arrested in Operation Legend, according to the Attorney General William Barr. Just made the announcement earlier today. At least 207 people have been charged with a federal crime. More than 1,000 arrests have been made in major metro cities since the Department of Justice launched this operation. Operation Legend in July. Nearly 400 firearms have been seized by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Operation Legend, as you may know, was launched on July 8th as a sustained, systemic, and coordinated law enforcement initiative in which federal law enforcement agencies work in conjunction with state and local law enforcement to fight violent crime. It was first launched in Kansas City. Then they expanded Chicago. Then uh, Albuquerque on July 22nd. Next, Cleveland, Detroit, Milwaukee on July 29th. St. Louis and Memphis on August 6th. And to Indianapolis on August 14th. So, uh, more than 200 charged, 1,000 arrested. The question is, will any of these charges stick? Uh, this is rabble-rouser kind of crime. This is not This is not the Portland stuff. This is not Seattle and all that. This is an entirely different operation in a lot of different cities. And they're better, the arrests had better stick. You know, prosecutors like Kamala Harris have been letting the people out of jail not charged in, um, in pure political moves. All right, brief time out. When we come back, let's see. We, we'll get to the phones. We'll start on the phones as soon as we get back. So stay there. It always happens. During the break, going into break, I say, going to get to the phones when we come back. During the break, something happens. Something has happened. To set it up, Donald Trump tweeted at 1034 this morning the following. Do not buy Goodyear tires. They announced a ban on Made America Great Again hats. Get better tires for far less. He said, this is what the radical left Democrats do. Well, two can play the same game, and we have to start playing it now. What he means is, the radical left out there starting to boycott everybody. They're getting out there saying, boycott that place, boycott that place, because they don't agree with politics. It's about time we started playing the same game. So he tweets, do not buy Goodyear tires. They announced a ban on Make America Great Again hats. You can get better tires for less. Now there's a press release from Goodyear. A message from Goodyear to our customers, partners, and associates. Yesterday, Goodyear became the focus of a conversation that created some misconceptions about our policies and our company. For those not aware, a widely circulated image sparked a strong reaction, and we wanted to take the opportunity to provide some important context to the visual and our policies. First, the visual in question was not created or distributed by Goodyear Corporate, nor was it part of a diversity training class. To be clear, on our long-standing corporate policy, Goodyear has zero tolerance for any forms of harassment or discrimination. Second, we appreciate the diverse viewpoints of all of our more than 60,000 associates, blah, blah, blah. Third and finally... Goodyear has always wholeheartedly supported both equality and law enforcement and will continue to do so. 
Bottom line, Goodyear is making a hasty retreat, uh, ladies and gentlemen, from yesterday where they had made it abundantly clear that they had put a ban on Make America Great Again hats. You couldn't wear them. If you were an employee, you couldn't wear them. Because once again, here's Goodyear. Hey, now they might have a leftist CEO hates Trump, but, but more than likely, they think Twitter is American. And so they think a majority of Americans hate Trump and hate Make America Great Again. So they think they're making a business decision. They're just totally out of touch. Anyway, they learned that they're actually focusing on the exact opposite. This is how Trump gets results. Now to the phones. Long Island Dan, you're first today. Great to have you with us, sir. Hi. Rush Megadittos. Thank you. I just want to tell you, the local and national media, they're salivating any time they mention a Republican that shows up on one of those videos for Joe Biden's Democratic Convention. And it's not Republicans. It's the establishment, and the establishment is joining forces in everybody's face to try and regain power, and it's disgusting. Wait a minute. I'm not sure. A lot of people... uh, Start again. Say, say I'm not sure I understand your point. All these Republicans that are showing up right now endorsing Joe Biden. The, oh, oh, you're talking about the Kasichs and the uh, the Colin Powers. Christy Todd Whitman, all of these Republicans, or you know, claim to be Republicans, they're joining forces with Joe Biden and the Democrats. They're they're really the establishment. They're the establishment oh. trying to regain power. Oh, right, 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 right. Of course. And they're doing this blatantly in everybody's face, and people just think R and D, R and D. They think Republicans, Democrats, Republicans are joining the Democrats because Donald Trump must be terrible. We we must listen to these people, and they're doing it blatantly. And I think a lot of people don't even realize that this is the establishment coming to regain the power that they don't have, and they want their seats back at the table. Uh, yeah, that, that's. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's falling for this. I don't think John Kasich's persuading anybody. I don't think Colin Powell's persuading anybody. Christy Todd Whitman. They're, they're doing this precisely because they've got no home in their own party. Uh, anyway, got to take a quick break. I appreciate the call, Dan. Do not go away. Fastest three hours in media. The first one already over. That's evidence, our family. Where'd it go? Just zipped by out there, and we've got two more to go. Stay right where you are. Welcome back, folks. Great to have you here with us at the one and only EIB Network. This is the most listened to radio talk show in the country, and I am your host, America's real anchorman, a doctor of democracy, and general all round good guy. A household name in all four corners of the world, 800-282-2882, if you want to be on the program. I need to, I need to go back to our first caller uh, today. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to sound rude. I was just, I was totally taken aback. Um, I was, I'd, I'd spent 35 or 40 minutes on some specific things, and the caller was talking about something that's, that's like uh, two or three days old. So I wasn't geared up, and I I didn't understand until halfway through his call what he was talking about. And I, I, I didn't even accept the premise. His, apparently, he was concerned that all of these Republicans, they're showing up at this Democrat convention with their recorded speeches, like Kasich, 
at the gravel road fork in the road, and then um, and then um, Colin Powell showed him a Christy Todd Whitman, and I got the impression the caller is very worried about this because he thinks a lot of people are being influenced by it, and I I have to I don't think anybody is. Now, he wanted everybody to realize, hey, these are just the, this, these are deep staters. And they're trying to hold on to their place in the deep state. There's no question this is true. They are the establishment. Kasich, he abandoned the conservative movement. I don't know when. Colin Powell never really was. Colin Powell was never comfortable as a Republican. And the last straw for him was when George W. Bush sent him up to the United Nations with all those photos of Saddam's weapons of mass destruction turned out not to be true. I, I'm a, whatever happened there, I will guarantee you there are a lot of noses out of joint because Colin Powell was the point man at the U.N. for making the case that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. They had all the intel community, had all the photos, the fo- supposedly the stockpiles. And I'm relatively confident that that General Powell was sitting there thinking at the time that if this is bogus, they wouldn't do this to me, meaning the intelligence community. They might try to humiliate and embarrass Bush, but they wouldn't do it to me. I'm one of them. And yet, as the Secretary of State, he got the call to go to the United Nations make the case for Saddam's weapons of mass destruction. He's had his nose out of joint on that ever since. And he's been unhappy with, I don't know, Republicans for long. But he's, he's, he's a classic deep stater or Washington establishment type, meaning that his, his future, his, his current, is locked into being a member in good standing. And Kasich, Kasich made the decision to abandon conservatism and go deep state Republican or or establishment Republican, which means lose, gracefully, more often than you win. Christy Todd Whitman, I don't think, was ever a conservative. She was one of these rhino Republicans and so forth. But the caller, I got the impression, was very alarmed that these people might be influencing Republicans to vote against Trump. And he just wanted to remind everybody that all they are is a bunch of establishment types. And the reason I didn't connect with the callers, because I don't think that at all. I, I think these people are not. John Kasich has demonstrated that he doesn't have the influence he thinks he does in the Republican primary in 2016. He gave everything he had to getting rid of Trump. If you remember, he ran for the nomination he didn't even get close. Remember how embarrassing it was when he won Ohio and they had a balloon drop or something? Really embarrassing stuff. Uh, because he had, yeah, Dan in Long Island was the, was the caller's name. But so, so Kasich began campaigning against Trump, much like the never Trumpers are. And I don't think that Kasich is persuading a single, certainly not going to persuade a member of the Trump base to abandon Trump simply because he, John Kasich, is going to vote for Biden. 
Biden doesn't have any independent enthusiasm anyway, and John Kasich can't provide it. Sorry, just there's just no way. Biden, as a self-contained dryball, is not somebody about whom another dryball, John Kasich, come along and infuse him with a bunch of enthusiasm. Neither can Christy Todd Whitman. And General Powell, I don't think any of them can. My point, I don't consider them political threats. So that's why I was a little taken aback by the uh, by by the call. I, did, I didn't want anybody to think that I had been um, I'd been rude. It was it was the last thing that I was uh, expecting. Now I I mentioned something at the opening of the program that I might be faced here with doing something I don't usually do. I usually don't use audio sound bites of colleagues, and by colleagues I mean people in the business. Uh, I don't, for example, play audio sound bites of a Fox personality. Say, listen to how crazy this is. We will play sound bites of guests or newsmakers on Fox, but the actual hosts of shows, very rarely. We will sometimes use a Brit Hume soundbite because they're funny when he comes to the sudden realization the media isn't media anymore. But we do it in good cheer. We do it with a smile on our face. Now, last night, after the Democrat convention, which was just an exercise in boredom, everything was taped. There was no live reaction to anything that happened. And all of the all of the left-leaning analysts on Fox nevertheless, had to analyze this as maybe the best convention ever. Man, it is so good, they said. We may never want to go back to the crowded convention halls. This is so heartwarming. Why, this made me want to sing God Bless America. I just thought it was one of the greatest things I'd ever seen. These were largely comments made about how the Democrats did the roll call. And the way the Democrats did the roll call, you know, normally in a convention, you've got a state somewhere on the floor, and it's a state's turn to announce, and somebody that runs a delegation, Mr. President, from the great state of Alabama. And then they go talk about how many soybeans they produced and whatever it was. They get around and shifting the votes and announcing the votes for the next president of the United States, blah, blah, blah. Well, what they did last night, since there's no convention hall, they actually produced 57 separate tapes. Because Obama says there's 57 states, and so they had to do 57 states and territories. And they would go to, say, New Mexico, and they had a Native American guide in Native American dress. Uh, wardrobe, announce which candidates were getting how many delegates. And then they would go to a different state. We got New Jersey, they got uh, the Governor Phil Murphy and somebody else. And one thing, I, you know, they goofed up last night. Now, normally, at a convention, the candidate, the winner, the nominee's home state gets the honor 
of putting the nominee over the top in terms of the delegates necessary to win the nomination. This always happens. So in the event of last night, they would wait. Delaware would not announce until, until their delegates would be enough to put Biden over the top and make his nomination official. They didn't do that last night. New Jersey and its 100-some-odd delegates actually ended up putting Biden over the top. I'm watching this. I said, this is not right. They ought to, they, 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 what, what's wrong with Biden's own state getting the honor of putting him over the top? What they did, they let Delaware go last. Let Delaware go last after it was already over, after plugs had already become the official nominee. And so this this 57 tape, uh, 57 bits of tape from every state and territory with people announcing how many delegates go to this candidate and that. Uh, the commentary on it was just over the top. Here's Juan Williams, audio soundbite number three. This is his take on it. I agree with all of you. I've enjoyed watching. I enjoyed that trip across America so much. It reminded me of the song America the Beautiful. You know, you could see so many parts of our spectacular country. I, I love it. I love it. I, now, see, he has to say this. Uh, up next, Dana Perino, audio soundbite number five. This night, I think, just visually and from an energy standpoint, it has a lot more pep in its step. I think the visuals have been amazing, and I don't ever want to see another roll call taken in a convention hall. I think this has been awesome. I've loved this trip around America. Okay, and here's Carl Rove after everybody else has spoken. I'm in deep disagreement with everybody who's spoken earlier. I hated the uh, video swing around the country. I'm a traditionalist. I wanted the people in the goofy hats and the nutty outfits. Instead, we got the video with generally one person there. This is my third Democratic National Convention. I hope my 12th Republican National Convention has got more of that great tradition that I miss so much tonight. Grab soundbite number two. One more. Here's here's, uh, Chris Wallace's take on it. I want to talk about two things in this the first hour. One was the keynote address. And just as you said, you thought that the roll call worked. I thought the keynote worked. It sounded pretty crazy to me. 17 up and coming Democrats all delivering the same speech. Uh, but it, it actually kind of worked. And they had sentences that all fit together. Uh, and you saw black and white and old and young and well, I guess not old, but uh, men and women. Uh, and it was a pretty effective speech. Right. So they all loved this. They all and they especially loved the trip around our spectacular country that made me want to start singing America the Beautiful. And uh, just a a little over the top, I think it, it kind of betrayed the real reaction. I think they felt that they had... Uh, to wax eloquent about it. Because, folks, the ratings are down. There's there's no excitement here. There's no... For the opportunities, I mean, they got the best and the brightest from big tech. They got the best and the brightest from Hollywood. They got the best and the brightest from um, political consultancy and so forth. And there hasn't been a single bit of obvious innovation in this presentation and your expectations would say that they would have really come up with the wow and the pizzazz and 
fabulous ways of doing this, but it's not working. And, and, and of course, one of the reasons is that the nominee kind of defeats the whole purpose. He doesn't have any enthusiasm uh, specifically for him. But I have to, I have to tell you, uh, folks. The um, when they went to Biden, we've got this on video here. Hang on a minute, Brian. We're gonna we're, we had success running the video on the Ditto Cam yesterday, so we're gonna do it again. But this one, we've had to loop it because it's just four seconds. It goes by real quickly. They cut to Joe Biden just after he had been officially formally nominated. This was after New Jersey put him over the top not Delaware. He was standing, I don't look like his basement with a, with a library of DVDs. Maybe it was a basement of a school or something. But there were four or five balloons uh, and there were some colored streamers that looked like snakes that appeared to come out of the, the ceiling. So you got the balloons and the snakes. They looked like they were attacking Biden. He didn't quite know where to look. He knew that the camera was on him. He didn't quite know where to look. He had kind of a tense smile. And and behind him, these streamers popped out. They fell down from the, the, the acoustical tiles in the, in the ceiling. The visual was awkward. And it was really ill-conceived. Biden is trying to become a world historical figure, a kingslayer, who will become a king himself. This is the guy that they have chosen to finally slay the mad king, Donald Trump. The scene made him look like a mid-level executive having a retirement party on Zoom. And then they, they cut to dozens of people applauding and then just the the setting itself this is the biggest night arguably of joe biden's life and it was filled with balloons in a dvd library now who was the genius the creative genius who came up with this setting you talk about mailing it in the democrats worried about the post office you got a lot of other concerns before you get to the post office. You're about mailing something in. This is what Joe and Jill get after winning a Democrat nomination. This is it's, it's a big deal. A sleep-deprived second-grade teacher could have put something together that was far better than what they gave Biden last night. The guy who celebrates with balloons in a basement video library... This is not somebody who's building anything back better. And isn't that the slogan? We're going to build it back better. Uh, Didn't see any of that on display. This was a bigger dud than Biden's recovery summer. 2000. Okay, Brian, let this let this tape roll. It's uh, you'll see it, folks. Four seconds on the ditto cam. Here we go. Three, two, one. Let her rip. I don't know where he is. Here it is. Oh, the snakes! The snakes! Four or five balloons there. Oh, look at the excitement. Oh, my God. Jill Biden doesn't know what's going on behind her as this stuff is all... Here we go again. Oh! Oh!
I'm, I'm, I'm okay, Brian. That I'm, I'm sorry, but that's. <laughs> we got to go to the break. I just saw the clock. We'll be back. Okay, back to the phones we go. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB network. Half my brain tied behind my back. Just equalize everything. Uh, make sure everybody has a fair shot here. This is John in Akron, Ohio. Great to have you, sir. Hello, Rush. Hi. Uh, I think uh, it was outrageous that Goodyear came up with this, these demands of their employees. And uh, I think it was good to call them out on it. But I think it was also... Uh, outrageous or not so smart to uh, say not to buy uh, tires from Goodyear anymore. They happen to be the only tire company in the United States now. Uh, Akron is the rubber capital of the world. All the tires were made here at one time. But I just think that needed to be rethought. Maybe it still can be uh, corrected. Well, I think... uh... I think it's going to get fixed. I think Goodyear is reversing course, are they not? I ha- I don't know. I haven't heard that myself. Well, that's that's what's the, the point of the story. Goodyear has put out a press release here, um, a message from Goodyear to our customers, partners, and associates. Yesterday, Goodyear became the focus of a conversation that created some misconceptions about our policies and our companies. They're doing a mea culpa here. Yeah, a bit of one there, huh? Well, I think that maybe it would be also good for the campaign, uh, the Trump campaign, to maybe address the fact that they are uh, uh, the only tire company based in the U.S. And uh, because that's so important to us right now, uh, U.S. products are so important. I think it'd be a good idea maybe to revisit that a little bit. Well, I think uh, – I. I... This is this is actually quite fascinating to me, and I don't have enough time here to get into it with you because I've got a break coming up. But you hang on out there, John. Keep keep listening because I'll, I'm going to uh, I'm going to address this. This is this is this is as I said, fascinating to me. I'll tell you why in a minute. Hi, welcome back. Great to have you on the EIB Network. So Goodyear yesterday issues a statement. Let me see if I can find Trump's tweet here that got this all started. What did I do with Trump's tweet? This is my fault. I put things in a different stack than where they were in. I might have thrown it away. Um, anyway, Trump issues a tweet urging people not to buy Goodyear because they don't allow Make America Great Again hats to be worn by their employees. And Trump fires back and suggests that if that's the way they're going to be, then I'm going to urge you not to buy Goodyear tires. It's the way the left plays the game, and if they're going to play it that way, I'm going to fire right back. What he's talking about is boycotts. The left is famous for trying to damage American business, uh, American media people, by boycotting, announcing and promoting boycotts of their shows by advertisers. So Trump says, I'm sick and tired of sitting around watching this happen to people with nobody doing anything about it. And now they're attacking him. The employees that love Trump and support Trump at Goodyear can't show it. He said, the heck with this. So he's urging people not to buy Goodyear tires. 
A caller, this is bad. This is, President can't do that. Goodyear's the only company in America making tires. We need to, we, we need to, we need to patronize them and so forth. I understand that. But as somebody who has been involved in these boycotts, as somebody who has successfully beaten them back, because we found out what they really are, and the relatively few number of people actually behind them, I have an entirely different perspective. And I am of the belief that you have to push back on this stuff. You have to find a way to push back on it. Why should the left be the only ones who benefit or get away with this kind of thing? So I, I, I understand the sensitivity. It may not be wise for the president to start telling uh, individual businesses, or the American people, not to patronize individual businesses. But I guarantee you he's got an objective here. His objective is to allow, ultimately have it made possible that people can wear Make America Great Again hats at Goodyear. His objective is not to harm Goodyear. His objective is not that at all. His objective is protecting his brand and showing support for his supporters. The problem with this is that the left or anybody will always be able to come up with a way of doing things that make it look like you're not taking the moral high ground if you respond to them. But I, I fully support the, uh, the president in this. Because I, I, think, I think all of this is based on a bunch of misconceptions anyway. I don't know why Goodyear did what they did, but I'm going to make a wild assumption that Goodyear is like so many other entities and businesses. They have a complete misunderstanding of the makeup of the American population. They... Because they also watch the mainstream media, they believe that Twitter is America. And they believe that Donald Trump is universally hated and despised now. I'm sure somebody at Goodyear thinks that, and there's a lot of people at a lot of places who think that. If all you've done is watch ABC, CBS, NBC for the last four years, or read the New York Times, you'd be... Well, within your rights, believing that Donald Trump is despised and is going to lose the election in a landslide, that people can't stand him, that people are regretting that they voted for him in the first place. This is what you would believe if all you've had as your quote-unquote source for news is the mainstream media, that it isn't true. Donald Trump's base has not left him, and the support for Trump within the Republican Party hovers between 91 and 95 percent. Meantime, there isn't any enthusiasm to speak of for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. So much so that their convention ratings are in the toilet. But I am convinced that Goodyear... And a number of other companies simply believe that Trump is hated. And I think that they thought from a marketing standpoint that they were associating themselves with a majority of the American people. Now, again, 
I, I think there's no excuse for this because Goodyear obviously has a vast marketing department. As such, Goodyear could find out if they wanted to. Anybody can. Anybody can find out. Is Trump universally hated or not? Is he universally despised or not? You, there's, there would be ways of determining if this is an accurate assumption. You'd have to look pretty hard because every poll has Trump losing monumentally, except the latest CNN poll. Every poll has Trump universally hated and despised. In fact, the Goodyear reaction is exactly what the media is after. The Goodyear reaction is exactly what the Democrat Party is after. And that's why Trump just can't let it stand. He's got to push back against it. And this is what pushback looks like. This is who he is. This is no different than what Trump has been doing since day one. It's no different than what he's been doing since his campaign began. Here's Tom in Grand Rapids, Michigan, as we head back to the phones. Great to have you with us, sir. Hello. Hi, Rush Megadoodles. You were starting the program today about how uh, the economy was coming back and targets numbers and so forth. Something that I don't hear a lot of lately, and you're never going to hear it on the mainstream media, how are America's 401ks doing? And I'm only going to use my own personal information and wonder if how many other people have this. Back in roughly February, March, my family's 401k stuff was at an all-time high, and then the COVID-19 stuff hit. We dropped nearly 22% of our value. Yikes. As of today, I am back to less than seven-tenths of a percent down. You don't hear about all that comeback in 401s. Well, of course I'm less, not. I'm less than one percent down now from my all-time high. It's just coming back. Of course you're not going to hear it. Nope. And your 401k is invested where, among other places? Stocks, bonds, mutual funds. There you go. It's in the stock market, which has recovered. The stock market has now recovered everything it lost. Yes, sir. And your 401k has come back right along with it. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. You're not going to hear um, about that for precisely uh, this reason. Give me line three next. Uh, You're you're not going to hear about it. Because the, the, the media the do not want that kind of uh, news out there. They, they don't they don't they look the reason they've kept New York and Minneapolis and the state of Washington, the state of Oregon shut down is to slow down in any economic recovery. So they can blame it on Trump. Listen to these speeches these people are making. You heard Michelle Mybell Obama, they're blaming this economy on Trump. She's out there talking about what a great economy her husband left Trump. Now, Trump's gone out and destroyed it because he didn't take the China virus seriously enough. It's a total lie. It's a gigantic crock. There's only one guy focusing on bringing the economy back. One guy pushing against the headwinds to even reopen the economy. And that was Trump. There's one guy pushing against the headwinds to get the schools open again. 
There's one guy trying to tell college and NFL, please play. Go ahead and play. Country needs to reopen. Our country needs it. And yet they're out there trying to blame Trump for all of this. So they need economic misery. They need economic slowdowns. They need any news they can manufacture that is not indicative of the economy recovering. And they, and they need that to last for a couple of months now through, uh, through November. Jeff in Fairfax, Virginia, you're next, sir. Great to have you with us. Hi. Hey, Rush. It's an hey. honor to speak with you. I hope you're feeling well. Thank you, sir, very much. Appreciate that. While I hope for a V-shaped rebound recovery, I fear that it's going to basically allow the big box stores and the, and the monopolists to consolidate their position, and the middle-class entrepreneurs are going to get kicked to the wayside. This is a good point, and I wanted I wanted your call to be juxtaposed right against the guy who talked about his 401k coming back. He is an average guy. He's got a 401k. That's his family investment, and he's, he's only down 0.7 tenths of a percent now, so he's happy. Stock market's come back. His 401k has come back. Your point, I know exactly what your point is. It's, it's one thing for the big box stores to come back, the Targets, Apple. Uh, Walmart and so forth, but there are a bunch of mom and pops who, if we're not careful, are not going to recover. Some may never reopen, and some may have been uh, wiped out already. And that, that look, that is a valid concern. It was it was one of the first concerns I had when I started traveling around about two weeks after the first lockdown, and and I saw boarded up dreams essentially. Uh, in various cities and along various uh, various streets. So your point is, it just can't be a corporate recovery. It's got to be economic. It's it's, it's got to be expansive throughout the the width and breadth of the economy. Is your point right? Right. The future has to involve humans. It can't all be digital. It can't all be Amazon. And while the Amazon employs humans right now in their factories or their warehouses, that soon is going to go by the wayside as well. So what would you to- do? Well, I think we have to rebuild a, a backed-up analog system to what we're doing. Digital's fine. Uh, the rapidity, the speed of, of which we can conduct transactions digitally is a fine thing. But there has to be some return to a society where we have cash, we have cashiers, we have people that actually do physical work. Uh, the, the digital profits can subsidize that in some way. But we well, now, wait a minute. You're, you're describing problems actually that predated the virus and the shutdown. So your argument's a little, it's about much more than that then. That's true. But, but we could put people back to work if we did the right testing. And the right testing would be the antibody testing. We need to find out how many Americans have already beaten COVID-19. We, sh- we need to stop testing ourselves over and over and over again to see whether we caught it when most of us might have already had it. We're doing the wrong testing, and that's what's keeping us out of school, out of work, out of football. I don't agree. I, I don't. I don't. I know what you're saying, but I don't think that's what's keeping us out of football. I don't. It's keeping us out of school. I don't think the wrong testing is doing. I think the Democrat Party is keeping us out of school. The Democrat Party. You people are going to have to get it through your heads. The Democrat Party for four years, has been trying to overturn the election results of 2016. Everything, even today, is about that. The, the Spanish virus is about that. The China virus is about that. 
the post office thing, there's always something that pops up. There's a new crisis or controversy seemingly every week. It is all oriented toward getting rid of Donald Trump. Not opening schools is all about getting rid of Donald Trump. It's happening because Mueller failed. Everything here, every obstacle, everything that represents an obstacle in the way of the country recovering has been placed there by the Democrat Party and its adjuncts. And I want you to be the drive-by media, education, academe, you name it. Testing is simply the excuse that they use. I'm not against antibody testing. I'm not against, uh, you know, trying to identify the people who may have developed immunity to it. I think in certain places, in fact, we may even be getting close to, to herd immunity. And in Florida and a bunch of these states, you're not even hearing about the, the vast numbers of new cases stories anymore because they're going down. Even with the testing that we are doing, the numbers of new cases are going down. And guess what? All of those numbers of new cases have not equaled an associate or, or, or approximate number of deaths. Anyway, got to go. I see it. Don't panic in there. Be back in just a second. Right on, right on, right on. Back to the phones. Northern Virginia, Andrew, welcome, sir. It's great to have you here. Hi. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Rush. Hey, I've been with you since 1988 when I was stationed at McCall Air Force Base in uh, Rio Lindo. Well, that's the beginning. I mean, you're you're a lifer here. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to add to your opening monologue about the enthusiasm gap. Um, I've got a very uh, active following and presence in social media um, where I can always get the pulse of the left um, uh, through, through social media. But I am seeing absolutely nothing on social media. Uh, they usually check it in the morning to see what, what, was, um, what was going on the night before. Uh, month, Tuesday morning, I had two posts about uh, Michelle Obama, and one happened to be from a president of an NAACP chapter. And today I had one repost of Colin Powell's um, speech. Uh, in contrast, over the weekend, I had, if I had one, I had 50 posts about uh, the, mail, uh, the post office and mailbox being moved. So, again, just to summarize, I am seeing nothing in social media that would, that would um, uh, lend any, any enthusiasm on the left. Uh, and what do you specifically say about what you've seen about Michelle My Bell Obama? Yeah, that, so I literally I, I saw two posts um, uh, Tuesday morning about the convention. That was the only two posts that I saw from, from Democrats, from some of the Democrats that I follow. No, oh, no, wait, there have to have been more than that. So I've got to be real careful here. I'm, so, I'm sorry? There, there have to have been more than two posts about Michelle Obama on Twitter. I, well, again, that's, you know, so th- I'm curious because, you know, if it was Republicans, I would think, you know, that the content was suppressed um, or uh, shadow banned. But, but I'm, I'm literally checking it uh, periodically throughout the day, and I'm seeing nothing from the, the people that would normally post. None, none, I don't follow a lot of the left, left-wing um, sites on Twitter. But, but literally, there was nothing saying what a great speech it was other than two comments that they said that they love Michelle Obama. All right. Well, now, I have a story that backs this up. It is from the Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's website. And the, uh, the headline, A Star is Born, GOP candidates add trounces Michelle Obama DNC speech in digital metrics, which is what you are talking about. Um, We played the three-minute commercial of the Republican candidate, African-American in Baltimore, 
Kimberly Classic. She is just trouncing Michelle Obama on Twitter and in Facebook in terms of likes, dislikes. All. Let me up against it on time. I'll give you the details here shortly. Hang on. It's big. By digital metrics, Michelle Obama bombed at the DNC the other night. Completely outdone by Kimberly Klasik. Have details coming up. All right, here we are, back at it. Great to be with you, my friends, Rush Limbaugh and uh, the EIB Network. Talent. So much to... So I wish I had the ability to share it. So much talent. More than I will ever need. On loan from God. Our telephone number, if you want to join us, 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbow at eibnet.us. Okay. We played the three minutes, actually two minutes and 50 seconds. It's a three-minute commercial. Kimberly Klasik, she's the uh, Republican candidate for Congress in Baltimore. She's African-American. She's uh, eminently qualified. It's a total package. It's just a, it's a, it's a great, great ad. We were among the first to air the ad. It has taken off out there. It has zoomed. She is everywhere now. And by digital metrics, digital metrics defined as, wow, Twitter went nuts last night. Wow. Twitter went viral last. Wow. Twitter blew up last. So those kinds of metrics. Michelle Obama bombed at the DNC last night. Not I'm bouncing off the last caller that we had in the previous hour. Uh, I was talking about the enthusiasm gap in the first hour, and I have been attempting to tell people there isn't any on the Democrat side, contrary to every effort they're making, to get you to think otherwise. It's clear the reason why the ravings are down for their convention is that stuff they've told us. They have, you know, in fact, they have proudly said, they have proudly said that their research indicates that a majority of people that are going to vote for Biden actually just hate Trump and are going to be voting against Trump. And they are saying that that really bodes ill for Trump. When you've got that kind of negative out there, you've got that kind of hate, ooh, that's just bad news for Trump. Sorry, folks, I think it's the exact opposite. I think when you can't drum up enthusiasm for your candidate, you are the one that has the problem. When you can't drum up enthusiasm for the person you have arranged to be your nominee, then I am sorry, you have the problem. And I think they have the problem. Trump doesn't have an enthusiasm problem. The people that are going to vote for Trump can't wait to vote for Trump. And there are so many more of them than you know. And they're just waiting. And every day the Democrat Party tries to do more damage to this country, the more energetic and desirous they get of showing up and voting. 91, 95 percent the Republican Party still supports and is aligned with Donald Trump. So the evidence is is right in front of our face. 
their ratings, the ratings are down so much, <clears throat> it's so bad that they're not even really spending a lot of time detailing it. They're trying to lay it off on, well, there's actually a lot of streaming going out there. We just don't know how to quantify it. We don't know how to tabulate it. But I guarantee you they're not. They don't really believe that. So they're now trying to say that Michelle Obama killed it. She racked them up last night, she just, or whenever she, she spoke. And this story makes the opposite point. By digital metrics, Michelle Obama bombed at the DNC last night. The former first lady was completely undone, or outdone by an unknown House candidate, Kimberly Klasick. On Facebook, Michelle Obama, despite being promoted by the traditional media giants, could not scratch the vitality of Klasick and the new media outlets who pushed her. The mere two results populated for Klasick show over 12.5 million views, whereas Obama's numerous results total just shy of 3 million views, including views from conservative pundit Graham Allen criticizing her speech. Even on Twitter, Klasick has 25% more views than Michelle Obama. First Lady's Twitter account shows 3 million views. Klasick's has 4.1 million. Now, in in 2016, Trump won because he offered a different message and he used new different media. In 2020, it seems the Democrats are repeating their same mistakes. Somebody quoted here as saying, I thought this election cycle was over a month ago, but everything seems to be shifting now. Yes, yeah, somebody believes that Plugs had it wrapped up a month ago. See, they believe their lying polls. They believe the narratives they tell each other. This is what's happening to them, folks. There's two things. They believe Twitter is America, and they believe, therefore, that they are America, I mean the media. And what's happening is that they are actually just a circle, and they don't do news. They don't deal in truth. They create narratives. And the narratives are, by definition, not factual. They're stories that they have created that are designed to influence people. So they end up believing their own fairy tales. They end up believing, oh, Biden's got this. Is it a lock? Look at this. Every poll, every poll, Trump's down 8, he's down 10, he's down 12. So they end up, Twitter fuels the media. The media absorbs Twitter and then sends it right back. And so they end up feeding off of each other, and neither of them are dealing in reality. They're dealing in the false narratives that they have created for whatever reasons, to make themselves feel better, try to influence people, or what have you. Uh, now, digital metrics is a, is a name for you know, how, how people's popularity in social media and digital media is judged. And that's what, what these metrics happen to be. And so the the conclusion by, well, the post-millennials chief marketing officer, Jeff Ballingall, looked at all this, and he's one of the sources for determining how much action there really was after Michelle Obama's speech. See, the drive-bys will tell you after the speech, uh, immediately after it, into the next day, 
that it was a home run. That everybody's talking about it. Everybody thought it was just the greatest. Oh, my goodness. Why isn't she the nominee? What You get the social media, and it was a yawner when compared to Kimberly Klasik. And even, even without comparing to Kimberly Klasik, Michelle Obama did not break any records. She did not shatter anything, didn't break through any glass ceilings or any of that. So the enthusiasm gap is real, but it's not what they want you to believe. They, they desperately want you to believe the enthusiasm has abandoned the Trump campaign and abandoned Trump personally. If you haven't seen the Kimberly Klasik ad, we're going to play it for you again. No, we're going to do this on the Ditto Cam. Again, and we've posted it at RushLimbaugh.com. Just so I'm not playing these videos on the Ditto Cam in a sly attempt to get you to subscribe. I'm really not, folks. The, the Ditto Cam is available only to people who are subscribers at RushLimbaugh.com. There's a whole lot of stuff available free on my website. You do not have to subscribe to have access to every transcript of everything I say on this program every day. Now, you don't get access to the live streaming. You don't get access to the Ditto Cam, but you do get archival streaming of radio shows. But you do not, and you can go to the podcast. But So this is not an attempt to get you to subscribe to something because it's all going to be available at the website eventually. Anyway, this is just using the technology that's available to us and servicing those who are subscribers. So here it goes. This is the commercial for the woman in Baltimore that, and and even the audio of this, just imagine her walking through some of the dirtiest slums you can imagine in a bright red dress, looking smoking hot. Imagine that. She's walking through a really depressed area of Baltimore, looking good. And the theme of this is this is what the Democrat Party does not want you to know. Go ahead and hit it. Here we go. Do you care about black lives? The people that run Baltimore don't. I can prove it. Walk with me. They don't want you to see this. I'm Kim Klasik. This is Baltimore, the real Baltimore. This is the reality for black people every single day. Crumbling infrastructure, abandoned homes, poverty, and crime. Baltimore has been run by the Democrat Party for 53 years. What is the result of their decades of leadership? Baltimore is one of the top five most dangerous cities in America. The murder rate in Baltimore is 10 times the U.S. average. The Baltimore poverty rate is over 20%. Homicide, drug, and alcohol deaths are skyrocketing in our city. Do you believe Black Lives Matter? I do. The vast majority of crime in Baltimore is perpetrated against black people who make up 60% of the population. So why don't we care about our communities? The Democrat Party have betrayed the black people of Baltimore. If the politicians walk the streets like I do, they would see exactly how their policies and corruption affects us. But they don't want to see it. They don't want you to see this. Go to any Baltimore neighborhood and ask this question. Do you want to defund the police? No. No. Absolutely not. I had three sons killed in Baltimore City. 
And I think if we defund the police office, it's going to be worse than that. So, no, I'm opposed to that. What are you going to defund the police for? Why? How do you defend your city, your community? Families are losing people. It's not just Baltimore. The worst place for a black person to live in America is a Democrat-controlled city. It's 2020. Name a blue city where black people's lives have gotten better. Try. I'll wait. Look at this. How are children supposed to live here and play here? Democrats think black people are stupid. They think they can control us forever. That we won't demand better and that we'll keep voting for them forever. Despite what they've done to our families and our communities. Are they right? I'm Kim Klasik and I'm running for Congress because I actually care about black lives. All black lives matter. Our communities matter. Baltimore matters. And black people don't have to vote Democrat. So that that video has taken social media by storm. And by the way, it's another thing. We're, we're, we're told that, that the social media dominated by Democrats, dominated by the left, and you're not welcome there. They do everything. This is an attack on the Democrat Party. Now, I know, what she says in the ad, Mr. Sturdley got very offended. You've been saying this stuff for 20 years. What does it matter? The reason it matters is because this is an African-American woman in Baltimore running for Congress, attacking the Democrat Party. She's going to have a little bit more credibility because of her race. I said, if you really, if you really wanted to give this thing some power, if she were a Democrat, then we would see some real fireworks. Now, they'll do their best to ignore her. But the fact that that three-minute ad has has generated so much positive reaction on uh, on social media, I, I think that tells us that there's a lot of misconception that we are faced with out there about our supposed minority status, our supposed lack of influence, lack of power, and so forth. I I wouldn't buy it if I were you. Okay, here's uh, Carrollton, Virginia. Warren, you're next. It's great to have you here, sir. Hello. Hello, Rush. How are you? I'm good, sir. I'm glad you called. My- Thank you. My comment is to the Goodyear uh, physicians that uh, were put out this uh, week. Um, You have to remember Goodyear is not just a tire company. They're also uh, a defense contractor, and they have to uh, basically uh, toe into a lot of contractual requirements that, uh, that happens there. But I think really what they are reacting to is their middle management, college educated folks, that expect them to tamp down um, things against Trump and elevate the other uh, opinions. And I think that's why they came out with this. Wait a minute. You, you, you think the middle management at Goodyear doesn't like Trump, therefore they don't like the employees there who do wearing MAGA hats. And so they expected upper management to make the MAGA people kind of tone it down and not let them wear the hats? Well, yeah, I, I worked for a very large defense contractor myself, and it became very clear to me that um, if you wanted to express any kind of conservative position, uh, it was probably not welcome. Okay, so to follow your theory that, that in Goodyear, 
is actually responding to employees, not customers. Oh, absolutely. You think you think Goodyear is trying to keep the anti-Trump employees happy? Yes. And they don't they, care about the pro-Trump employees being unhappy. Um, yeah, especially if they're older white males, they just would wish them to move on. Well, you may have a point. You know, you, you, you may be right about that. There's, there, there could well be uh, an, an element of truth in that. I've, 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 we've run up against this. I've tried to think of uh, another corporate example. There have been gobs of them since Trump was inaugurated back in 2017. Um, I, you know, I've always come down on the side that uh, – that there's a lot of fear and it's misplaced. Now, there's also some political activism. I know that, that, that it is a myth anymore that big business tycoons and Wall Street people are exclusively Republican. They aren't anymore. The Democrat Party is bankrolled by Wall Street, for example. Take a look at the money Kamala Harris gets or plugs or Obama. The idea that the Republican Party and Wall Street or big business are inseparable, that that ended, I don't know, how long ago. Uh, They are tied and and, and at the hip with uh, with Democrats now for for a host of reasons. And a lot of it is crony capitalism and crony socialism. Let me give you an example of what I mean. People think that Walmart, because it's Arkansas and Mr. Sam and all that, is a very, and their family values, very, very conservative organization. And they may have been. And they may be. But if they've got a chance to sidle up to big government and an opportunity presents itself to put their competitors out of business, they'll do it. Not just Walmart. I mean, this is one of the one of the problems with a gigantic big government that wants to involve itself in things. So let's say the minimum wage comes up as an issue. Now we would think that Walmart would be diametrically opposed to it. Don't tell me what I have to pay people. I've got a lot of people. I'm not going to, you're going to bankrupt me. You can't tell me. Government can't. That's what we would expect them to say. But let's look at their competitors. Let's say Costco, pick some other big box stores that Walmart would consider competitors. Walmart went along with. Okay, yeah, I'm along here. I got to make a break. I'm losing track of time. Hang on, folks. It happens when I'm on a roll. Anyway, my point was going to be that if Walmart could cause a lot of financial pain to Costco and others by agreeing with a minimum wage increase, they would do it. So there, it's just an example. But this is the kind of crony socialism, crony capitalism that happens in government. And this is how... You might think that conservative organizations would not do things they end up doing because business will always come first before uh, politics with some people. With others, of course, it's the, it's the, exact, the exact opposite.
as far as the the Goodyear uh, example is concerned, I can believe that a bunch of employees at Goodyear don't like Trump supporters and would press management. I've heard of this happening in other businesses, but uh, I still think you push back against it. I think pushing back against it like Trump did has proven to be the way to go. It's proven to be successful. It's a short segment, folks, as I went way long in the last one. A little luxury goes a long way, particularly when you're going through a tough day. Falling asleep at the end of the day on a bowl and branch set of sheets, that's one such luxury you can provide for yourself. Bold and Branch manufactures their luxury sheets and bedding with a pure organic cotton that is unique to their brand. It's not used in anybody else's sheets. Their products start out soft and they only get softer over the course of time. Now, these sheets are compared to the luxury you'd find at a five-star hotel suite or a high-end retail store where a set of sheets might sell for $1,000. They do, if you don't know. You can actually buy sheets that cost a grand. But you don't have to spend that to get that kind of luxury. Bowl and Branch makes their products available for just a couple of hundred dollars, sometimes less. If you apply a promo code, they'll pass along to you in a couple seconds here. Now, you're going to find these sheets online only. This is their business model. They want to have a personal relationship with every customer. Can't do that if you're buying retail. They like eliminating uh, middlemen. They like eliminating shipping and all kinds of other costs that just add to the end price. But it also makes, makes it difficult to have a relationship with every customer. So they've gone internet only. That's one of the way they're able to pass along such huge savings to you. Same time, they will offer you a 30-day money-back guarantee, meaning you've got 30 days to get your sweaty, greasy, grimy body on these sheets. In testing them out, you can see if they are, in fact, as soft as I say they are. And if after a month goes by... You don't think they are. You can send them back, and they will fully refund the price you paid. I mean, that's confidence. That's a lot of confidence. And the return rate is less than 1%. People do not send them back. That's how confident they are with their product, with all of their products. Just go online to bowlandbranch.com. It's B-O-L-L and branch.com. Now, here's the promo code. It's my name, and it'll save you 50 Dollars off your first set of sheets. Boldandbranch.com. Okay, to the audio sound bites. Britt Hume. Like I said, we always find time for Britt Hume when he has a sudden realization that we have come to months previous or weeks previous. Or weeks. And this afternoon on the Fox News Channel's Outnumbered, A co-host, Harris Faulkner, said to Britt Hume, Senator Kamala Harris is speaking tonight, accepting her nomination. What are the goals and the expectations for tonight? Is it is it more difficult tonight? Of course, people believe because Biden is obviously, to some extent, at least senile uh, and may not be equipped to to go the distance that she might become president uh, sooner rather than later. 
And so she, so her speech is important, and a lot of spotlight will be on her more than was, would normally be the case with a vice presidential nominee. Vice presidential nominees normally don't matter much. This particular one matters a lot. How can you have <clears throat> anything but a disaster under these circumstances? You've got, you've got a nominee who now everybody is publicly acknowledging is senile. <laughs> and so her speech tonight, yeah, there's going to be a lot more pressure. There's going to be a lot more expectations. Oh, yeah, because she's, uh, she's one senile step away from becoming president. The more I think about all this, the more amazed I become at almost every aspect of it. This woman didn't stand a prayer of winning the Democrat nominee, a nomination, and yet she has been selected by somebody to be the next president of this country if Plugs wins. Just look at it. That's, that's stripping away all the distractions. The woman, the first out of the primaries... Before a single vote was cast, her fate was sealed even before the first vote. She couldn't raise any money. She wasn't going to have any support whatsoever. She's the first out. She had called Plugs a racist and a bigot, and she said that she believed the women who said he was a pervert. She ends up being selected to be essentially president by the guy who is senile. So a candidate who didn't have the slightest chance, folks, didn't have the slightest chance of becoming the nominee could end up being the president of the United States. So last night, Dr. Jill Biden, uh, time for her to make her speech, uh, near the end of the festivities. And we have a little soundbite from it. Night two of the virtual Democrat National Convention. Former second lady Dr. Jill Biden spoke, and at the end of her remarks, plugs joined her. And this is how that sounded. In our time of need, keep the promise of America for all of us. Great job. Hey everyone. I'm Jill Biden's husband. <clears throat> As you heard tonight, <clears throat> excuse me. That's that, that uh, that's it. That that went by that's what happened. He said, Great job, God love you. God love you. How are you? How are you? She just kept laughing. Like, she didn't know he was coming out. Why is she laughing? Why in the world would she be laughing? She laughing. Biden comes out. Hey, everyone, I'm Jill Biden's husband. <laughs> you heard tonight. Excuse me. Here, play it again. Now that you know what's coming, it's easier to follow second time around. In our time of need, keep the promise of America for all of us. Hey, everyone. I'm Jill Biden's husband. <clears throat> As you heard tonight, <clears throat> excuse me. 
he lost his train. I guarantee you when he says, excuse me, or my time is up, he's lost his train of thought. But he wasn't finished, ladies and gentlemen. He went off script. He did keep speaking. He felt the need to be complimentary and to thank her and uh, so forth and so on. She's a backbone like a ramrod. Just think of your favorite educator who gave you the confidence to believe in yourself. That's the kind of first lady, 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 this Jill Biden will be. (laughs) God love you. God love you. God love you. This is the kind of first lady, 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 this Jill Biden will be. So he spends all day uh, in the basement on, on Zoom. But this morning on the Today Show, Savannah Guffrey got to uh, speak to Dr. Jill Biden, who, by the way, she, she got her Ph.D. in education when she was 55. Oh, I'm just throwing out an interesting little factoid. And Savannah Guffrey said, uh, the president's campaign this week released an ad really attacking your husband's cognitive abilities suggesting he's lost a step or two in the last few years. Is that a fair attack? Is that something that should be debated as part of the campaign? No, no, it's ridiculous. I mean, Joe's on the phone every single minute of the, of the day talking to governors who are, who are calling him. And Nancy Pelosi, he's on the Zoom. He's doing fundraisers. He's doing briefings. I mean, he doesn't stop from 9 in the morning till 11 at night. So that, you know... That's ridiculous. Okay, okay. That 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 then then the debates are going to happen, right? They got to see that no cognitive loss whatsoever. It's silly. Joe's on a phone. He's down there in the basement. He saw from nine a.m. to eleven p.m. Hell no, there's nothing wrong. It's silly. It's crazy. Uh, up next, yesterday the Democrat National Committee website during a grassroots fest did a fundraiser. Biden was speaking to actor Tom Hanks. Hanks, I guess, donated to the Biden campaign, and they did some joint fundraising effort yesterday. And here's just a little part of that. In January of uh, 2018, uh, I found myself in a circumstance where, uh, I mean, excuse me, 2012, I found myself standing in the same spot I had stood 40 years earlier. And I didn't intend that. I was looking, I was waiting for a train to come. I was looking out to the left of my view was southwest, southeast Wilmington, which had been burned to the ground, and it's back and flourishing. I looked across what they call the Third Street Bridge to an all-black community, which in fact is, is back up, still has some troubles. And I was waiting for a black man, Tom, to come and pick me up from Philadelphia, a guy named Barack Obama, on the 17th of January to take me to Washington, a trip I've made a thousand times, commuting every day to be sworn in as president and vice president. All right. Now, um, he was sworn in as VP in January of 2009. He first thought that he was there in 2018. He corrected himself. Sorry, it was 2012 I found myself. And then uh, he, he was... Waiting for a black guy. He said, talking to Tom Hanks. Say, Tom, wait for this black guy to come and pick me up from Philadelphia, a guy named Barack Obama, on the 17th of January, take me to Washington, a trip I made a thousand times, commuting every day to be sworn as uh, president, vice president. 
I don't know if he means that Obama was in Philadelphia and stopped at Wilmington to pick him up. Or if Plugs was in Philadelphia and Obama was in Philadelphia and they got together on a train to get to I don't know. But these debates are going to be really fascinating. Paying taxes can be complicated, especially so for first-time small business owners. Now, one of our listeners here, Ted, has a story that just epitomizes this. Ted opened a new business a couple years ago at the same time he was paying college tuition for two of his kids. And like a lot of new business owners, he didn't know the ins and outs involved with self-employment taxes. He made some honest mistakes with his filings, and suddenly he was being audited by the IRS. Self-employment tax is a big difference from if you're an employee and the employer does withholding. You have to pay your own taxes in full, and you have to do it four times a year by specific times and date. If you don't know this, you up the creek. So he was hit with a $35,000 tax bill with tuitions to pay and a tax bill that big. He was overdrawn and overwhelmed. And that's when he remembered the company name Optima Tax Relief because he's a listener and he called him. And the experts there at Optima swung into action quickly. They stepped in between Ted and the IRS and they became his advocate and representative. And thanks to Optima, Ted resolved the tax debt for thousands of dollars less than the IRS originally sought. So his IRS nightmare nightmare was eventually over. Ted can now turn his attention back to the new business, and he's entirely satisfied. Given the starting point, $35,000, all because he didn't know the ins and outs of self-employment taxes. Now, Optima is the number one most trusted tax relief firm. They have resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for people just like you. Call for a free phone consultation with Optima Tax today at 800-973-7700. That's Optima Tax Relief at 800-973-7700. Here's Taylor Ridge, Illinois. This is Colby, and it's great to have you with us. Hello. Hello, Rush. I'm praying for you and hope you're feeling well. Thank you, sir, very much. Uh, So I'm 17 years old, and it's my senior year in high school. And our school was actually supposed to start today. But the day before, everything got delayed with COVID, people saying they have it, everyone's self-isolating. Do you think left-leaning teachers, schools, and unions are purposely delaying schools, trying to delay all of it so the kids can't get to school? Uh, Well, in the case of... Teachers' unions, I don't think it's a matter of do I think. I think I think they are. I think they're, they're being pretty vocal about the fact that they don't want to go back because of the risk. And they're demanding all kinds of, um, I think, new benefits or things. Here, here is, Colby, uh, you're 17 years old, and, and I, 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 don't want to, I, I don't want to shock you, but I think all of this – that is any pretty much any effort to delay the reopening of the country, reopening of the schools, um, getting the economy going. Everything is 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 political in nature. There's a political explanation for every question that you will have. It's a sad thing. It's a sad reality that that because politics 
has the ability to corrupt. Uh, and that's that's one of the dangers we face. So in the short answer to your, your question um, is that, uh, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I think it's. I think a lot of people are trying to delay this to harm the Trump re-election effort. They're trying to delay it uh, because they might be scared. They're trying to delay it because um, they're just general malcontent, so forth. Yeah, I'm glad you called. I um, I appreciate it. Yeah, I have. The, we've got the pictures of Clinton being massaged by the Epstein babe. Put them up there, Brian. Before we got a little few seconds here left uh, on the on the Ditto Cam. Well, no, we don't. No, I'm sorry. I didn't give you enough advance time. My bad. Uh, somebody said they a drive-by caller if I had any thoughts on the pictures. The idea that Clinton had no idea what Epstein was. Give me a break. The idea that Clinton. Folks, we're not stupid here. It's one of those days where the whole show felt like commercials. I felt like I had about 10 minutes of content today. I know it's not the case. It's just how it seemed. Anyway. You sit tight, folks, because we got much more in 21 hours. We'll be right back here, revved and ready to do it again. See you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.